Leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 lawyers over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My mission is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, is doing during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how loiners have, are and will be coping with our multiple crises. The global pandemic, Brexit and of course the ongoing and accelerating collapsing of capitalism, the state and the climate through this decade. To do this I need people, people like you dear listener. Most of all I need people who are in Leeds or who are from Leeds to come on this show and be my guests. So please join me and help me with this mission whenever and however you can. Critically I will need people like you dear listener as financial backers. Please consider supporting or donating to this project. You can do so with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Ko-fi, or you could donate any one-off amount to Working Hours via either Ko-fi or through the LibrePay button on the About page of Western Studios' website. Thank you. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? I was really imaginative when I was growing up. Uh, I either wanted to be a policeman mm-hmm. or I wanted to work in finance for a few years and then start my own business, mm. which that is actually what I did. Which yeah. It wasn't like I was kind of, that was my hopes and dreams of my life. It was just, seemed like a, a reasonable thing to do. I don't think I ever really cared that much about anything. You know, I didn't grow up wanting to be a footballer like a lot of people. Um, I didn't have that desire. Mm. Just kind of, it's more about life. So, uh, you say finance first. What did you do finance wise? Uh, I worked in building societies for a number okay. of years. Uh, started off at Scarborough Building Society, went to Leeds Building Society, mm. and then from there went to Yorkshire Building Society. Mm. And I was there for, I think it was 13 years. Um, okay. a bit sketchy now. Um, and I left, I left there in March 2020. Mm. Great timing. <laughs> You're listening to episode 69, Dude. And to my guest, Mark Costello. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 8th of August 2022. Hello, loves. Horsforth Brewery is run by innovative brewer Mark Costello, supplying the local Horsforth and wider area with tasty quality beers. Starting as a part time project in 2017 in Mark's garage, the brewery progressed to its own unit at the end of 2018 and, as of March 2020, became Mark's full-time job. All Horsforth Brewery beers are vegan-friendly. Go to horsforthbrewery.co.uk to find out more and drink some local beer, and if you're in Horsforth, to drink some really local beer. Now let's get on with this episode of Working Hours with Mark Costello. What is it that you're doing now, then? Uh, so I own Horsforth Brewery. Mm-hmm. And, and my tasks from that vary massively. I, I sometimes get involved in the brews, but typically I don't mm. so much anymore, um, mainly due to injury and time. Mm. Um, so my main task is like sales, getting like the social media um, accounts um, and just getting our name out there. That's the mm. main thing. 
plus I do all the accounting and HR side of stuff. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that side. I sometimes work down the bar as well, mm. but I've got to have a manager. So I've stepped behind, I've stepped back from that a little bit. Mm. They feet under the table. Um, so yeah, mainly at the moment trying to sell beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're producing in it, you are producing it in, in a volume that, you know, you can't drink it all. So, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. I, I, I did um, homebrew for a number of years mm. and right before I started the brewery and I was, then I was producing too much beer that I, could, I just couldn't drink it. And um, it's kind of part of the thought process about setting up the brewery as well. And I'm, I'm enjoying brewing beer. Mm. I can't drink it. So I'm giving it away. So it's actually really expensive beer that I'm making mm. it because it's, because mm. I'm not drinking much of it. Yeah. Um, so I thought, well, I may as well try and sell it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was going to be my next question. Sort of how did you get into it? So, I, I mean, do you want to tell us that story? Like the whole process yeah. of, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, like take us through kind of setting up. I mean, when you made the decision to go from, you know, brewing your own, obviously you've got all that financial uh, background and experience. Yeah. So you've been working with numbers, you've been working with like, you know, money, your, your whole yeah. career, it sounds like. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Was it a fairly easy decision where you just like, you knew what you were doing straight away or was it kind of, ooh? It was, ish, yeah, yes and no. It was kind of, because, well, yeah, I think it was kind of harder because I am aware of the numbers and finances and things and that makes it hard. So mm. whilst I was on a, a good living, um, doing finance, I wasn't by any means like rich, but yeah, I was comfortable. Um, I know how hard it is stepping back from that. And the reality is that I don't get paid much at all now. Mm. So, you know, your finance brain is like, you're making a really stupid decision. You know, this is a kid that grew up wanting to work in finance and run his own business. The idea is that you get to know finance and you get to make some money and have a healthy life. Right. Mm. Point of it. Um, and I was making a conscious decision to earn very little money. Mm. Uh, so it kind of went against the nature a little bit, but the, the original kind of thought process came from years ago. Um, I had a pretty not pleasant manager, um, who decided that he didn't like me personally mm. and that really impacted my career uh, where I was and I could have moved places, but I basically grew disillusioned with the office life mm. and just working on spreadsheets most of the time mm. uh, and just thought, do you know what, there's more to life than this. And I wanted to run my own business. Mm. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at cooking and baking. So mm. I cooked and baked pretty much anything that was going, you know, or could I do a street food business, could I do some sort of food business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was good. And I still, you know, so I'm quite good, but I'm not, I'm not a chef. Yeah. Um, and the kind of mentality I was having was, would I buy this? And would I like yeah. buy it again? And it was like, well, I'd buy it. And, you know, it's quite nice, but it's, it's not quite, you know, up yeah, there. Yeah. And um, happened to get into homebrew because a friend of a friend lent me his kit mm. um, for the first brew, did it. Well, to be fair, did that brew. And it was just, you know, Wilco's had to sell the homebrew kits. Mm. Uh, it was one of those. And I was like, this is brewing. This is your foot in hot water in treacle. And <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a load of kit uh, to do it properly and did a, I, they call the 
um, Aldrin. Is it Aldrin? Aldrin, Aldrin? I think it is. Mm. I'm out of touch with Hamburg, clearly. Aldrin, <laughs> um, and did that. And it works. Well, the first boot works, second boot works. And I was like, I would buy that and I would buy it again. I was like, I, was like, I think I've found my thing. Mm. Kind of like, alongside it, me and my mate, you know, we'd go to the pub quite a lot. We liked our beer. I mean, one of the local pubs in Hallsworth and was like, is there a brewery in Hallsworth? Mm. And he's, again, he's financially minded. And we're like, there isn't, a, like, we went away and Googled it. Like, there isn't a brewery in Hallsworth. So I was like, well, maybe there should be a brewery in Hallsworth. So I registered Hallsworth Brewery Limited, trademarked the name. And I think that was actually before I started brewing. And I was like, so that's the financial side, I guess, is trying to secure the IP on it. And, um, yeah. Did you get all the yeah, socials as well? Go for all the, the website, social media. Um, I'm trying to think whether I did. I think I started with the Twitter and I did get a Twitter uh, account. But yeah, like now, whenever I've got an idea, I do, like this, I've just set up a social this weekend uh, for something that hasn't quite launched yet. Um, so yeah, you kind of learn about the importance of the socials. Instagram wasn't as big a thing back then, so you don't have to worry about that. And Facebook was. I probably did set up on Facebook, I don't know. Mm. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was all kind of coming together then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved teams at Yorkshire Film Society and I was a really good manager then. But by that point, my mind had kind of drifted. Yeah, yeah. You'd already exited. Yeah. I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And mm. I was in a bit more, bit more of an interesting job in terms of we got to go places and we, I got taken out dinners and things, which was nice, you know, bankers took us out and, well, it, my heart wasn't in it. Uh, mm. I didn't do as good a job as I should have done. And I was setting up the brewery. Mm. I, I set up in my garage. We're doing some house renovations and I set it up there. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it kind of, it, well, we launched five years ago last, last week mm. and starting in the garage. And then I went part-time at the other job because like I said, my manager was very good and understanding, which I appreciated a lot. Mm-hmm. Did that and um, was part-time for a couple of years, went, went through a divorce, which took time. Mm. Um, so that kind of stopped me from going full-time because I wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Meant I had to sell that house, I had the garage and yeah. that meant we had to get our own, you know, proper commercial premises. And that's where, you know, we could really take off and have a public facing brewery because I wasn't having customers coming to the garage obviously that was yeah yeah, yeah. so that was, it was a good business decision but it was kind of forced by the personal circumstances mm. handed my notes in December 19 I was like right I've got personal life sorted I've got you know I've got commercial premises I've ordered a bigger kit that we can mm. sell beer hand my notes in three months notice it's all mm. kind of hunky dory bit scary, but it's like, this is the right time to do it. Mm. And, um, I think I genuinely left, I think it was in the first week of lockdown by the time you take into account the holidays, you know, left yeah. in March, 2020 and, and a couple of weeks holiday at the end. And yeah, I had one Monday where I had planned my week cause I'm yeah, yeah. doing this Tuesday, I'm doing this. Yeah. I had one Monday where I did what I was meant to do. And yeah. then the rest of that week, it just went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did, you know, it, it, and I was just like, I can't believe I've done this. I can't believe that this, this has happened now. Yeah. Um, and all the government help that was coming out, you know, you had to have X amount of years of accounts. And yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I don't. Cause yeah. I've literally just started in theory and 
you know, that was a perfect time to switch from a sole trader to a limited company. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that because that was the perfect timing. It was the right thing mm-hmm. to do. And it just meant we fell through all the cracks. Yeah. Um, for all the, all the help. So set up a web shop, like the day, I think we got it live the, the day before pub shop. Mm. And if I'm honest, business was easy for the first month or two of COVID because you know, I don't know about you, but I got drunk a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of people did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. And you couldn't leave your house. So I was driving around to live in the beer. Well, to be fair, I then had to get someone to do some of the deliveries for me because I was then shielded mm. um, at the start of COVID, which made it even more tricky. Mm. Um, but then I kind of reasoned that I could safely deliver beer and it'd be fine. Mm. Um, so I did a lot of that. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of like the nice, easy bit. Yeah. Uh, it then just got progressively harder. Mm. All right. Well, we're, since we're on COVID, we may as well go in, into COVID. So, I mean, my question on it normally is um, like, basically put you back in the mindset, but you're already there. Um, but also to look at the contrast of like how much work you were doing before COVID hit, how much work after, um, the sort of change in your work, how it changed your work and how it affected, I suppose, your well-being and also like you, you work work-life balance, as they like to call it. Yeah. So completely took over my life, you know, and, um, the business did. Yeah. Yeah. I, they're just trying to survive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so like I say, we had some bigger kit, um, and we had started the process of moving again to a bigger premises, which is where we are now. Mm. Um, and I got a couple of members of staff at that point. So there's just all this added pressure of, well, Pubs are literally shut. So yeah. the bigger kit I've got is useless at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and delivering to people's houses is quite intensive. You know, it's labor intensive. I, mm. I was spending a day to two days full just delivering beer, mm. which I'd say is great. But as time went on, mm. you could see that people were starting to get a bit fatigued of drinking a lot. Mm. That was going down. Ball shops had started to slow down. Then pubs reopened, but pubs were quiet. And, um, that's where COVID really started to hit was kind of the end of 2020. And then all of 2021 was just painful because it was, mm. it was up for the Euros and then mm. after the Euros, after England lost that game, everything just ground to a halt. Mm. And last year was just an awful year, which completely destroyed. Like by, by the time Christmas came, I was mentally at it destroyed for me mm. and I, I just took some time fully away from the brewery. I just couldn't cope with it, mm. um, which is the best business decision you ever make. It, it, yeah. But you, you gotta, you know, you like gotta, your health, your health comes first and you know, yeah, COVID kind of taught us that. So yeah, it did. Um, and then this year has been a lot better, but yeah, last year, like COVID itself was hard. All the savings that I'd had, mm. you know, in the house and what have you, that was my backup. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we ran out of cash. I'm trying to think T- November, 2020 was the first time we ran out of cash and I mean, yeah. out of cash. Yeah. yeah. Gone. Um, it's just been, uh, that, that affected your mental health a lot because yeah, you know, a good number of years in my job was about liquidity management. So making sure you've got enough cash. Yeah. That, um, that's immediately what I went to. I was like, I mean, you're a money man. So like th- that must be a nightmare. The worst yeah. spreadsheet to look at for yourself. Yeah. 
Well, I've seen this on, on Friday, actually. Like, yeah. I've got a lot, a lot, a decent amount of spreadsheets and my career is built and building spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't need to use spreadsheets because I know this business so well. Mm. And it's only me that's looking at spreadsheets. So mm. I know when things are happening. Mm-hmm. In, in the November cash flow crunch, um, I knew about three to four weeks before it was going to happen that we were going to run out of cash. Mm. And it was basically just trying to scab all the cash for that. And that was a lot of sleepless nights and mm. um, a lot of stress from it. Um, and now when we went out of cash, I'm like, yeah, be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it'll turn up. <laughs> yeah. And it always does. Um, but again, it's, it's been able to plan then mm. it's going to happen. So, you know, I know when it's going to happen. Um, I know when the punch is coming. So thankfully, you know, we can manage it pretty well. But yeah, it, COVID was, was, especially with being shielded as well. Mm. At the time, the very start, you, you know, you didn't know how you caught it. You didn't know how easy it was to catch and whether you could catch it outside. So, mm. you know, I've got the dog. So I've got to go all the dog. So we'll, mm. get, you know, we're getting up at five in the morning, despite being told like not to ever leave the house. We're even out of the garden. Um, like, got to walk the dog. I'm just avoiding people. Mm. Um, and then as time goes on, that eased a little bit, but. You know, for a period, it was quite nice because yeah, yeah. I, let, I let the guys work in the brewery whilst I stayed at home for two days a week. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to, yeah, I couldn't furlough them because they were too new. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't want to have them lose out on their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they found it useful to work during COVID as well for their mental health. Mm-hmm. So... They were working every two days. I'd work in the two days before them, but then I'd be working at home, working on stuff. And that was quite nice because, you know, spend a bit of time at home. Yeah. Which is pleasant. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it did force people to slow down. But like you say, you know, you're doing those extra hours because you're worrying, but then you've got all those spare hours as well. But it's that yeah. blend of like, oh, when the hell am I working now? Like, what's yeah. work time? Yeah. Um, it, it, it just kind of blurred into one. I think that's always going to happen as well when you're in a small business. You know, it is going to blur and it, it, it's going to be hard to switch off and it's hard not to be contactable at all times. Mm. Um, but COVID really exaggerated that mm. um, because every bit of news and every headline had an impact on what was going to happen with our business. Mm. And that was especially true last year, you know, when Omicron came or, you know, yeah. with the negative news, yeah. we'd instantly see a drop off in business. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, have their different opinions of what it about whether you should care about COVID. I don't really care about that. I, and that's why he said to me, I don't care whether Omicron is the most deadly thing in the world. Mm. Oh, it's completely miles. I, I mean, I do, but you know, I don't business. Yeah. Yeah. Business wise. It's like, can we open or not? Like, can yeah. we trade? And are people going to come in? Yeah. Like, Cause we're not, when, when Christmas was coming and Omicron started kicking off, People are like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it's not as deadly. Everyone's vaccinated. I don't care. I mean, I do care about it, but I don't care about that. Like, it's scaring people and it's stopping people coming in. Mm. And that that's what matters. And if you looked at all the pubs and, and people weren't going out because they wanted a Christmas, mm. they wanted an isolate for Christmas. Mm. Um, and a lot of people just worked from home. So the city centers were dead. So our customers, a lot of our customers were shut. Mm. Um, and the tapping would quieten down. And then Christmas itself came. And after mm. Christmas, we had a bit of a boom because mm. people were like, right, Christmas is done. I can go to the pub. Mm. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we've just lost thousands of pounds. So mm. that, was, that was hard. 
did the war affect you as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, indirectly, the, the week it started to kick off definitely affected us. People got, again, people seemed to be scared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a, a couple of weeks. And then the start come back. And then obviously the, the energy prices, uh, mm-hmm. when the headla- whenever the headlines play about that, we definitely, we get a hit then. Mm. Um, that, and that happens this year. That, that, that's how long we've got. Is uh, the headlines about the cost of living, which is tricky. Uh, it just feels, you know, like there's another, there's always going to be another thing around the corner mm. got to deal with, which mm. is the way it goes, isn't it? Mm. I think it's, it's a small business. And I think it's probably running any business, you know, just some numbers are bigger and our numbers are quite small, and then, which in a way makes it easy to manage because you don't have to find a lot of money. Mm. To make it ends meet, but it does mean we don't have a lot. Of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are you are you, are you past break even? Are you are you in profit yet? Or uh, no, um, we lost one and a half thousand pounds in our financial year twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. I I don't mind losing one and a half grand. Uh, com- how much compared to the year before? So, um, yeah, significantly better. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's working, isn't it? That's, yeah. And you're heading in the right direction, even through adversity. It's uh, yeah. like, yeah, you know, you've obviously got something pretty solid there. Yeah. Um, it, at times it doesn't feel it. And then when we look at, well, actually, compare this with this time last year, yeah. you know, the years had finished. Right? No, we, 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 we've got a nice base level of certainly the tap room side, you know, the retail side, mm. a nice base level of income mm. that we don't really drop below. Mm. And that's, that's quite reassuring because it means mm-hmm. that worst came, comes to worst, that's what we get. Yeah. Uh, and last year we didn't have that, you know, we'd have some really, really bad weeks. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, part of it is we only moved to this premises in o- October, 2020, and mm-hmm. um, so we only opened in April last year. So not many people knew we existed mm. um, in the area and we still get people coming in now saying, oh, I had no idea you were here. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we try. Yeah. Well, also loads of people haven't been out for like two years. So. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. It's like, do you have that thing where you bump into people and you're kind of like, I haven't seen you for ages. It's like, oh yeah, I haven't seen you since the last decade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's like, oh, what happened? Not a lot, really. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on holiday. Not... <laughs> Although you've started a business and you've, you've like been weather in the storm so yeah. i mean like i've talked to quite a few people who started up during you know lockdown and i mean i'll ask you the same question that i've asked them of like do you feel it's made you more robust do you feel like you know you've learned lessons from that of like you're starting in really hard times is that a good a good teacher for you yeah definitely it's a good teacher i think personally um, I'd like to think of relatively robust anyway. So this is one of the things about lockdown. I, I, the reason I'm, I'm, um, I was shielded was I've got rheumatoid arthritis, mm. um, which is an autoimmune disease mm. rather, you know, it's not osteoarthritis, mm. it, it affects your immune system. Um, and I take medication that lowers that. So when I first had that, you know, 12 years ago, I was really ill, like mm. really, really sick. I was, I was housebound for a good while. Mm. Um, so I was kind of like used to being stuck in the house and not being able to do anything. Mm. I've, I've done that. I've been there, done that. And I come on the other side. So that made me personally quite robust and resilient. Um, and I think the business is getting there. You know, obviously we've got other members of the team now 
Mm. And I've got to kind of appreciate sometimes that they don't have that experience that I've got going mm. through. You know, none of them have been here when we're going through the rough time, got to mm. team. And they might not have that experience of just going, right, I've just got to get through this. Uh, it's something I've got to be aware of because I'm just like, right, I'm just going to do it mm. and get on. But it's definitely made the business more robust. You know, it's made me a better business person. I just mm. always say, I have no idea if I can run a business. Right? Mm. I'm, I can guess I can run a business, but I don't know if I can. Mm. And, you know, we've been going two years through COVID. You know, yeah. it was three years before then, well, I was part time, but it didn't matter. But yeah, we've been going over two years now. So yeah, well, do you know what? Maybe I can run a business. Yeah. 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 Maybe I can. And you think it, it's given me a lot of skills um, that I might not have got. You know, if we're just in a boom time and people are flooding through the door mm. and um, I won't have to worry about stuff and mm. people just flock in and buy beer and happy days. I'll be driving off in my Ferrari. Mm. Um, as it is, you know, last year particularly, you have to think on your feet quite a lot and figure out how do I get people to come through my door? Mm-hmm. Um, or how do you get beer to them and, and make or how do I get it to people? Right. And that, if I'm honest, that's the bit I haven't focused on that much. Um, so I only had a taproom manager start this year and I can't remember if it was March or April now, but April, start of April it was. Um, so we didn't really have a anyone dedicated to doing the taproom side of stuff. So I spent, I spent a lot of time on that side. And obviously if you sell into the retail customers, you've got a higher margin and you get better cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that brewery, the beer industry is notorious on is the trade customers don't pay that quickly. Yeah. So we've got shell out ingredients, like electricity, staff, mm. packaging, duty, mm. often that. And then, I, then I might get paid. Oh well, and your transport and everything is. Oh yeah, it's packaging and yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you've got all of that. So you've, if we brew a beer, there's at least a thousand pounds realistically in cost mm. before you get anything back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to get the beer out the door, mm. and then you've got to get the money in. Mm. So you know that whatever whatever the margin is, you know, two grand, two grand worth of sales or two grand margin wire. You ain't getting that for two to three months after you brewed the beer. Yeah. So, but if you do it in the tap room, that one thousand pounds can get turned into four in a week. Yeah, um, and you get the cash. So that's why that's what we had to focus on. Mm. And all the big breweries, obviously, post COVID, were coming out with free free beer for mm. their customers mm. if they mm. not align and so on. So they'd got an uptake. You know, well, I can't compete with free beer. I, I, I can't give you free beer. I, I have to give you more expensive beer than they would normally charge you. And mm. um, you can give local beer, made locally with local, you know. Yeah. So some people get that. You know, some people get what we're trying to do as a business um, and some people don't and they don't care. And some people go, well, someone's giving me free beer. Times are tight. Times are tight. So I'm going to take free beer. Mm. Um, and I get that. But to be honest, uh, I do understand that. So, you know, we have to focus on keeping the business going. And that's where mm. the tap room side really it came into its own and now Everett is running that. Um, and we, we had our best ever week. So best ever month in July. Uh, and that's a combination of the word that I put in beforehand and then she's come on and the, the whole idea is that she takes it further and she's known to do that, mm. which is great. Uh, so now I've got to focus on getting that beer out. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my job. Um, yeah. And 
yeah, I've already just started to do that with concerted effort. You know, we, we, we have some regular customers and they always pay for us. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but we, we need probably four or five more regular customers. And she's uh, not many, you know, you know, is it too bad? And I think we can do that. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Four or five is doable, isn't it? I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, everything you've done so far is just a little bit further, you know, a little bit further. Yeah. That's, if I'm honest, that's, that's what I'm about is I'm, I'm not, you see, you know, you, I, I've always been interested in small businesses and things and you, you see some of these businesses come and go and they'll come with a big bang mm. as a cash spend. Mm. And you're like, well, that's amazing. But then they're disappeared in two years. Uh, and I don't want to be that guy. I want to be a business that is sustainable mm. and is here for the long term. So mm. we do have a bit of debt, but not a lot. Mm. Uh, you know, we've got COVID backs battler. Mm. That was the cheapest finance you're ever going to get. So I bought an electric van with it. And the electric, yeah. in hindsight, it was an absolutely fantastic idea mm. because we're still on our same electric deal. We are until October next year. So mm. whilst diesel prices have gone up, you know, we're, mm. our van is still five quid to charge. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, costing us, it's costing us less for the loan on the van than it would for diesel on a diesel van. Yeah. Um, make the money back in no time. Someone was saying that they, oh, it was a post I saw online the other day. It was like, I charged my electric car and went from Bristol to London and back and it cost me 11 quid. The train's yeah. like 130 quid. And it's like, I could go backwards and forwards. I could go and I could park outside illegally, like in an ambulance bay, <laughs> pay the fine and yeah. come back. And still, it'd be cheaper than... I don't know. Right? Yeah. It's bad. And, you know, this is where I'd love to have, like, solar panels and things like that, because then mm. we just, like, it's charging, it, it's a free van. Mm. Um, mm. So that was a, it was quite a commitment, you know, it was a big loan to to buy a brand new electric van. You know, they, they're not cheap. Mm. Um, but it was, I mean, even then I did the numbers and it was going to cost, I think it was about 300 quid a month in diesel. Yeah. For a diesel van, um, or you've got some poor bugger on a bike. Yeah, <laughs> like, we did. We didn't do that. It did that. Covid. Um, there's a, a delivery um, company in Chapel Island called Dabble, mm. um, and he just started as well. So I actually paid him to do some of my deliveries around Holsworth, mm. and he's got an electric assisted delivery bike. Mm. So we actually did do that. Mm. Um, I love. I loved having that, and then the home deliveries just died off. So. Mm. Mm. I couldn't use them any options, it's a shame. Yeah, like the, the electric van cost is all in about 260 quid a month, like mm. for the loan and to charge it. Mm. It's, like, it's free, uh, essentially. Mm. So, yeah, I have a picture for that. Mm. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, good purchase, definitely. Yeah, um, like I say, it's COVID bounce back loan. That, that was one of the, you know, politics aside, you can always, I can always say that, you know, furlough was very useful for a lot of people. Mm. We managed to utilize it a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the COVID bounce back loan was, was really useful for us as a business. Obviously now there's headlines about how people took advantage of it, but you know, those of us that didn't and we used it. Well, there, you know, it's not like people weren't taking advantage before, uh, like, well, yeah, just, yeah. That, so I, I was telling the story about my, my cousin, he, um, was getting all these letters through the door for all these made up companies 
And it's like, he, he rang up company's house and he's like, there's all these made up companies registering at my, my address. And, and, <laughs> and they're like, well, you have to prove who you are and you have to prove all of this. It's like, I'm just letting you know yeah, this potential for us. Shouldn't you do something about this? Yeah. Like it's not, yeah, it's not on me. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, and, and he was reckoning that they were kind of setting that up, you know, so that they could claim loans and because people had learned from the first time of like with furlough and stuff and like yes. some money they're like right well if money's coming we're going to get everything we can yeah. and going to prepare for it yeah. yeah i did i did hear someone who had a few businesses and they got the max loan on all of them bought a house with it yeah and you're like well it's not point of the loan but <laughs> you know <laughs> well done yeah until <laughs> so you get caught yeah and that's <laughs> And again, I think that's the, I'm, I, the financial side of me is I'm always cautious I'm going to get caught if I do something like that. So, well, yeah, and you've been looking at a lot of books. I mean, like what's, I was going to ask what sort of side of banking, were you retail side or commercial or? Um, on the wholesale side. So we were, yeah. I was more on, like the end of my career was more uh, trying to raise funding for the builders today. So we would we'd package loans up. It, Remember when the whole credit crunch happened mm. and there was like all these toxic assets? Mm. It was the, like the original concept of those isn't bad. Mm. It was the, the way that they then structured, structured, structured. Yeah. Um, and we... And packaged them up with loads of crap loans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, and made lots of crap loans. Yeah. And then packaged those together. Yeah. And, and sent it on. And I, it's a big short thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so... The original package, the original package that is actually decent, mm. decent loans is what, why I help structure. Mm. Um, and then we have to kind of get investors to, to buy into that. Mm. Um, and then before that, it was interest rate risk management. Mm. Um, so looking at the full balance sheet and the organization and forecasting it and looking at the current state as well and, mm. and uh, potential dangers, right? Yeah, 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 pinch points. Um, and I was on a sub board committee that looked at the whole financial risk of the business as well. So it was, mm. that was actually quite interesting. Even mm. that approach about, which it does thread my boat for some reason. Mm. Um, I, I, I did quite enjoy it at the then. The it's technicalities, isn't it? It's the, te- it's the little sort of, oh, right. Well, so if I tweak this, then this happens and, or it should happen. Oh, has it happened? Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. And then that's. I um I still keep in touch with a lot of people who work there because I've been there a long time, mm. and uh, I heard a, a job going. I just had a little look at their jobs page, and there was a job that was kind of a step below the job I used to do. Mm. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're paying that much!" Mm. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, I, I could go back and earn like mm. six times more than what I'm earning now, and mm. that's ridiculous. I can't believe that. And it's more than the, uh, they were paying me. <laughs> but, mm. but then if the business gets really successful, your potential earnings are oh, yeah. Yeah, greater yeah. than that. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm not thinking of going back. Um, no, a little bit though. Probably the most tempted of me. Tempted, yeah. Uh, I, financial, I just thought, I, I just couldn't, do you know what? Do you know what I can't do? I can't get on that bus every day. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was the soul destroying bit was, go see the bus services in Leeds aren't exactly amazing. Mm. Uh, they're not exactly cheap. They're not exactly cheap. And if you're going down Kirkstall Road, they're mm. not exactly reliable. Good, yeah. Um, so standing at a bus stop for an hour to wait for a bus that's going to take an hour 
to go five miles. Mm. I just, it was soul destroying. Mm. And I can't do that anymore. I just can't do it. I, I can't bring myself to, to ever do that again. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, I'm going to go back to the beginning again before I move on. So I'm just interested in terms of your startup, um, like how did you go about that? Did you like save up capital and have a, a, a bunch that you were going to invest? Did you have like a capital amount in mind or was it just loans or did you just kind of like do what you could and kind of build up as you could? Um, so I kind of I saved up. As best I could. Uh, Did you have like a target amount in mind of like, we're going to need this much for setup? No, and I probably should have done. Um, uh, I basically just banged my foot, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I thought, like, oh, that's a stupid thing. To do. <laughs> um, I kind of thought what I should do is get the kit. I, yeah. And what kit do I need? That's what I aim. If I'm a brewery, I need to have a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I started with four and a half grand because that got me the kit mm. that I needed. And that's why I was able to save up on the side of, you know, having everything else. Mm. And, um, and this was going into your garage and that was the garage. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. So that bought the kit, it fit the electrics out of the garage and bought mm. a few tasks, mm. uh, the initial ingredients, everything like that. And then it, it kind of funded itself. Obviously I didn't take a wage from it whilst I was working part time. Mm. Mm. Um, and YBS, so it can, it funded itself mm. and every now and again, I'd have to drop in a bit of cash just to buy an extra bit of capital equipment. Mm. Um, but all in all, it, it self-funded mm -hmm. until we needed to buy the bigger kit. So we bought a kit that was five times bigger mm. than what I started with. And that's when I used, um, an organization called Adventure mm -hmm. that are based in Leeds. Um, I know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, they are. So they provided a, a grant for half of the equipment. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm. Um, so I use utilize that, and then because of COVID and the lockdown and everything, the kit that I bought was just really going to produce cask beer, mm -hmm. and I needed cans mm. because people wanted cans. I, I did bottle, but we couldn't bottle on that big kit, and so um, I well got a bit of a load a bit more COVID bounce back loan to pay for the kind of machine, invested a bit myself and got further grant from Adventure, mm -hmm. uh, which is very useful. So that's how we kind of funded it. It was self-funding and it grew itself quite a lot. Mm. But then when we took that step up, it needed a bit more funding. Mm. Uh, so a bit of self-investment, a bit of loan, mm. a bit of grant funding. Mm. And now it just funds itself. Mm. Uh, and I do take a, a wage from it, mm. although just taking a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can do that. You're, you're hoping for bigger on the back end. This, this yeah. is the dream, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, realistically, I've done that so I can invest more in the brewery. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's a few bits that just need a bit of investment. And it's not going to get that if I'm taking <clears throat> more money out. Mm. Uh, I need to take a certain bit out. But I've got a partner who, she's got a proper job. So, Mm. Yeah, between us, we can make it make an ends meet. Proper uh, job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's doing the bus journey. She. <laughs> well, she's working from home mainly, but she she's just gone back with had a baby as well, which makes it even more complicated. Oh, but gosh. she's just gone just gone back from maternity leave, and she's gone into the office today mm. for the first time. She's like, I can't believe I used to do this. Yeah. Um, 
she's not a fan. So she's mainly going to be working from home. Mm, she's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of changes coming out of COVID. I, was, I mean, I've been saying that. Like, I, I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes, but like early on, I'd talk about when I, when I was planning this, because I, I was sort of thinking about it going into 2019. And I was like, this next decade is just going to be mental. Like, it's just going to be really crazy. And we get into 2020 and then we have the lockdown. And I'm like, okay, I thought things were going to be mad. Yeah, it could be this mad this quick. Yeah. And I, and I still don't think that we've really, like, we've we've not finished processing that that whole experience. No. Like it's all. And then the next thing's hitting us, you know, like they, we just keep getting hit by things. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's lots of I mean, um, I'm genuinely worried about this winter. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think anyone, I think everyone is. Yes. And I, I don't necessarily mean personally, I don't mean it mean business because I don't, ultimately they're not massively that important and will, will survive by a crop, by crop. But I'm worried about the old people, to be honest. Mm. I, I think they're the type of people that will think they can't afford gas and electric, regardless of whether they can. Mm. Uh, I, I think they'll be scared to put the heat in. Mm. And I think given cold does kill a, a large number of old people anyway. I think we could be looking at an absolute catastrophe. Um, and I think you've got not just old people, but you've got people who genuinely won't be able to afford it. Or if you, if you think about, yeah, if you're paying 300 quid a month on gets an electric and you've got, what, 600, 700 quid a month rent, mm. if that's a reasonable, mm. like cheap. Um, so a thousand pounds a month outlay just on that. Already, yeah. Plus food. Plus clothing, if you you know if you've got kids, it's going to be even more. You think if you're if you're a single parent on a relatively low paid job, yeah, you literally haven't got the money. Like, well, if it, you're most of the country, you like on on well, like well, yeah. crap wages. No, yeah, yeah, it's like you know, yeah. no one's no one's going to really wear that. Like, it's going to affect so many people. Yeah, and and it's just because. Yeah, it just doesn't occur to them. It just doesn't occur to them. No, I, I, I just, I can't understand how we're getting there. You know, I do, I listen to a lot of podcasts about the economy and things mm. like that. And, um, cause I used to keep it, you know, that used to be part of the job as well. Mm. Even with that. So that's the best I can do when I'm driving around in the van. Mm. Um, and a lot of talk about how all these economic statistics at the moment are just, contrary to what would normally be the case. So mm. like, you've got quite high employment. Yeah. We've got a recession, but record profits in the yeah. stock market. And yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, what's, yeah, we're not, well, more America, but obviously we're, we're linked as well, but they're, you know, they've never had a recession where there's been, su- like where there's been such full employment. Yeah. And grow and like more employment needed. Mm. Yeah. And it's, uh, well. It's not that people don't have jobs, which is not. Well, no, I mean, like, there's more growing demand to put people in jobs, yeah. you know, like the, the amount of jobs is growing as well. Yeah. So it's like, it's what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's not paying enough. Like, the jobs just don't pay enough, do they? Yeah, yeah, no. That's, that, and you think, well, that's unbelievable. Like, you can't say to people, get a job. It's like, I've got a job. Mm. Or, I've got, I've got five. <laughs> yeah. All the wages are going out on gas and electric and bet. Mm. And you're like, well... I just don't understand how we've got to this point. Uh, well, you know, I do. Yeah. I, I do, but I don't. But yeah, it's still unbelievable. 
Yeah. Yeah. Can't quite believe it. And um, yeah, a fear for a lot of people. Um, so yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop us there because we're yeah. veering off the point. So, um, right, where should we go from there? So we, we've kind of done COVID. We will do, uh, let's do the climate change question because I think we're in that kind of area anyway. Um, sure. So, yeah, so my question on climate change, I use it to stand in for bigger, you know, like all the environmental nightmares. Um, so in your work, can you, um, or do you, or is it not something that you have space for? Do you do anything to kind of adapt to, to mitigate or, um, I suppose even raise awareness of climate change? Like how does climate affect your work and your working ways? It's, um, oh, the main thing we, we did was get the electric back mm. and that helps to some extent. Mm. Obviously you still got to produce the electricity, but mm. you know, that as the infrastructure improves and they get more renewable sources, then that helps. Um, but that, uh, if you go around Leeds, it's something I've really noticed after the lockdown. Mm. So I was driving all around Leeds mm. and the roads are dead mm. and it's quiet. I was like, this is lovely. Like, it's actually quiet. That is amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah you can't hear the ring web. Like, mm. amazing. Um, and then cars started coming. You're like, oh my God, it's so noisy. Yeah. And you know, I was just walking around today uh, with the dog. And just engine noise. Mm. It's just horrific. And so that my and aeroplanes as well. If you're yeah. anywhere near flight blast yeah. paths, it's just like oh, yeah. God. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> what what's this in the sky? <laughs> um, yeah, so it, I, I think noise pollution is a big issue because mm. it, it does have negative mental health impacts. Um, oh yeah, huge. And you, you don't like people get so used to it and then they get somewhere quiet and they're like Oh God, you know, like I feel so relaxed and yeah. like not tense. And uh, yeah. it's like, yeah, you've been under intense stress. Yeah. loads of noise and smoking. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's in your ears all the time. So that there's a lot of um, decision. There's a lot of um, points that influence the decision on the van, mm. but the actual air pollution and noise pollution was, was one of the considerations. Um, Rather annoyingly, we, I mean, we can our beer now. We used to bottle. Mm-hmm. Again, one of the decisions behind that was that in Leeds, you've got curbside recycling of cans. Mm-hmm. You're down on the balls. So then they're more easily recyclable in Leeds, um, which is where our, most of our beer goes. Yeah. They're lighter to transport as well. Lighter to transport. Um, I mean, and the beer is better quality. There's a lot, lots of reasons why we did it, but that was one of the considerations. The big negative we have is that our labels are plastic mm. and that's because we can't use paper with our setup. Mm. Um, complicated reason behind it, but basically the cans will have to be full before we label them. And then that means we've got condensation on the outside. Yeah. At the moment they haven't created a paper label that would work with condensation. And mm. um, people are trying to do it. So hopefully, mm. you know, that will happen at some point soon and we can, we can make a switch. Mm. Um, and then, you know, we, we're such a small business that we don't, we can't do a, a huge amount as, you know, we, we haven't got a budget to go, right. We're going to put solar panels on, on our building, uh, cause it's a rented building. We don't actually have a roof as well. Yeah, as yeah. Um, but I'd love to do stuff like that. I think Springwell, uh, 
like North Buco, they, they have solar panels mm. and, and that would be ACE. Mm. You know, we try and encourage a bit of greenery, but mm. there is a limit to what we can, what we can do really, because we don't, mm. it sounds bad, but we don't do a huge amount. You know, we, we brew beer, we, we sell a lot of it on site, mm. so we're not transporting it. Uh, I mean, I suppose in terms of your, um, like your, your effects or your impact, I mean, with brewing, one of the largest ones is water use, isn't it? So yeah, like, um, I mean, is there anything, have you, have you thought about dealing with, you know, your water use and like water recycling? Is there anything that you can do? Is there any kind of like benefit that you, you know about? We, we mean, we use as little as we can. Mm. Um, well, cause obviously it's a cost as well. So you, you yeah, know, exactly. you're incentivized to, to keep it down if you yeah. can. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when we cool the beer during the brew process, you've got to transfer, like you've got to do a heat exchange. So you get hot beer going through, cold water going through, us mm. pass. And we keep all of that water that we use in that process because then we can reuse that the next brew. Mm. Well, that saves time and it saves money as well. So uh, that's just like the logical thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we, we use water for cleaning, but we don't, again, it, it's just messy if you're using too much water, you know, mm. it's, there's, a, there's not really any kind of pinch point there that we can, mm. we can utilize, right? We can use less water. It's just kind of, it is mm. case of it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we try and re reuse as much as we can, we try and recycle as much as we can, uh, maybe I've dedicated recycling. Um, but again, it, this is where personally you're a little bit juxtaposition because, um, we could use metal kegs, mm. but we'd have to buy equipment that costs thousands upon thousands of pounds mm. to clean them. And we can't afford that. And we can't afford the kegs behind. Mm. We do it for casks, but kegs is more expensive. So we use single use kegs, but then we use the least environmentally damaging single yeah. use kegs that are fully recyclable. Yeah. And part of them is reusable. So, you know, the cold eco kegs, I think it's a stretch to call it eco, but they are yeah, yeah. eco friendly, um, out of the single use kegs. Cause you get a lot of kegs that are just single use and yeah. it was chucking in a bin and you're like, geez. Yeah. Uh, so we, we do try and be as good as we can there. Mm. But like I say, it's, it's down to financials and space to some extent, which again, it comes down to financials. I think you're pretty well positioned though. Cause I mean, you know, if, if and when, well, I think it's more of when, uh, but you know, like if w- when they get around to like actually moving on all of the environmental stuff, yeah, you, know, you, you are a local business. You've already got an electric truck. Like, I mean, you could easily, you know, if you had say a fleet of electric vehicles, you were brewing into bottles, those bottles could be returned. You know, you would be, you would be a circular economy, like a small yeah. local circular economy. So I think you, you're quite kind of well positioned. Yeah. Right. There is, um, there's talk of a bottle deposit return scheme, mm-hmm. um, coming in where basically you'd have to take the bottles back and clean them. But mm-hmm. if I'm honest, I haven't really looked into it. It mm-hmm. comes in, in a couple of years or a few years and it's so unworkable for small businesses. Mm-hmm. That at the moment I've just got, I'm not even going to think about it. Because mm. well, even though that's what I was going to say, you've got more more important yeah. pressing measures, you know, matters on your mind at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And I can worry about that 
in a couple of years. Uh, at the moment, I've just got to try and pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, pay the extortionate bills. Um, so, all right, let's move on to, we'll do Brexit. Um, the questions will get happier. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically, since we have Brexited, um, yeah. have you noticed any difference in your work? Has it affected you either positively, negatively, not yeah. at all? It doesn't impact us a humongous amount. So we don't export any bit. Like we, we don't do that. Mm. So it doesn't it impact us there. A lot of our products that we buy are like made or um, grown in the UK. Mm. We do buy some, we buy American hops, but it's from a, a UK based business. So their warehouse is UK based. Mm. Um, and they've got, you know, we do buy some European hops as well, but again, same thing, UK based. So. We haven't had a supply chain issue with those. Mm. We did when we first, um, like properly left, mm. we had issues then because so, like some of the label suppliers would use companies from the EU and containers just get stuck mm. um, at Dover or Calais or wherever. Mm. And there was a point where we just couldn't get any labels for about six weeks, which mm. was ridiculous. And that's because there were like all the equipment was stuck in a port because it yeah. was you know, I think it's not regardless of your political views, but really it should be regardless of your political views. Brexit was always going to be a big risk. Mm. Um, and that was my big thing about, I didn't, I didn't like Brexit because of that. Mm. Um, I didn't like the political side that came with it as well. In mm. terms of some people thought that great now we don't welcome foreigners mm. and I didn't like that, but on a financial side, it's like, it's a risk. We could, no one could ever say that we're going to be better off. Mm. On what? Yeah, you can't. It's impossible. It is impossible to say. Mm. But what was guaranteed is that it's a risk, and it was a big risk. Mm. And that, that risk would probably, in the short term, impact the economy negatively. Yeah, and that is a guarantee, right? And that's what's happened. Mm. And that has struggled a little bit. And we are then have actually struggled a couple of times on kegs for through the supply chain. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, the whole world is struggling with supply chain, which is a big part of the inflation that we're seeing. Mm. And whilst the UK isn't alone in suffering from supply chain issues, we're obviously going to the sharp end of it more yeah. because of Brexit. Mm. Um, and we could do without that right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, well, if we had a borderless entry into the country for goods, that would be useful rather than get things stuck. Mm. Um, and there was. I mean, it's not us, but beer industry itself. There was um, a beer importer, so UK-based importer of EU beers. Mm -hmm. Wasn't struggling to get the beer necessarily into the country, but they were struggling to send their empty kegs back into the EU. Mm -hmm. So that meant then that they couldn't get the beer back in because yeah. beer, they're holding it all up. Yeah, yeah. The breweries didn't have any kegs because yeah. they were stuck in the in the their customs. So. You know, there's definitely issues. We, like I said, we're, we're not insulated from it, but we, we don't have many issues coming from it because, you know, we're quite small. We are struggling a little bit generally with supply chain, but I wouldn't say that's because of Brexit. Are there any positives? I, I suppose that has to become the question ultimately because everyone's like, it's either not affected me at all, or it has affected me, or my friends have been affected by it negatively. And it, yeah, yeah. Um, 
like I say, there's a potential that it could be better for us in financial in the long term. There's a potential. And I'm not saying that that will happen. And this is the annoying thing that I always found with politicians is that they were like, oh, it's going to be better. Oh, it's going to be worse. You know, well, why isn't anybody said, do you know what? We don't know, but we want to control our borders and that's what I want to do. Mm. Why why couldn't be honest about it? I guess it's just politics. Um, and television, because television yeah. needs the two sides of everything and go, oh, look, watch watch these people arguing. Yeah, yeah. and it's what social media does. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's how they build the business. So, you know, I I can't think of a benefit of it, if I'm honest. Um, you could say that, you know, some people would say that we can strengthen ties with other countries. You think, well, great, but probably better off strengthening ties with the countries that are we live next door to. to. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to do it. It's kind of like, oh, well, I could be friends with my neighbours, but I'm probably just going to go over to Bradford and make friends there. Is that you? <laughs> How would you? And I think, I actually think that the biggest ball that they dropped on it was the whole Northern Ireland public violence mm. um, issues that, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on, but they knew it was going to be an issue and they haven't resolved it still. Mm. And it's, it's not like it's a minor issue, you know, it's, it's a big deal. They don't care. Like, they really just don't care. They just like, whatever, do whatever, vote for me. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it, I think that's criminal. It's ne- negligent of them to, to not think about that. If it, even if you don't care about anything else, that is something that they needed to resolve is that border. Uh, because it, as it was, you know, it was relatively peaceful and, mm. and ultimately that, you know, as a country, we'd want to be peaceful, you'd think, um, and anything that's going to potentially poke that nest, just don't do it. I mm. get a solution before you actually go through with it. And even if they said, right, we're going to do Brexit, but we are going to sort out this border first mm. that we are not doing Brexit till we sort it out, not going to trigger article 50 or whatever it was, mm. and they just sort out the border and we're going to do it. And well. All right, fair enough. Do it properly at least. Uh, well, they're not doing it properly. And it, do you know what? I was devastated the day that we voted to to leave the EU. And you can argue all you want about the margins and whether fifty two forty eight should trigger it. The, the rules were the rules, and we lost. And I, I, I don't like it. I don't. I don't agree with it. But I was willing to live with it. But we didn't do it properly. Uh, you've got to do it properly. If you're going to do it, if you're going to do all of this, do it properly and happen. So, mm. you know, I think it's, I think it's a big failure, you know, and they're still talking about, oh, you know, we're going to get rid of the rubbish deal. It's like, well, it, you did the deal. Right? You did it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to tear up this, we're going to tear up our membership to this thing that we've got because we don't like it. Then we're going to tear up our agreement that we made yeah. with them because we don't like that. Yeah. We're just like, what kind of a, Crazy moody teenager. I I don't like it. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. No. And, I mean, <laughs> that's that's what I struggle with. Like I say, I don't I don't like the fact that we lost. I don't like the fact we voted to leave. I don't like any of that. But I'm a, I'm an adult. I can grow like I'm a grown up. I can go. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I'll accept it. Fine. Let's get on with it. Yeah. yeah. Let's just get on with it and do a good job of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like do you know do the best that you can with it. Yeah. Like pay attention well, to it. I think that's a problem. I think they did do the best they can. Well, yeah. I think that was a problem. <laughs> you know, well, ultimately, it's on us for putting, yeah. for picking these people to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
So, uh, okay, we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> but see, uh, to some of short answer, I, I can't see a benefit of it. Yeah. And, and in fact, I'll go, I, I just go a little bit further than that. Talk about the whole, oh, it's going to stop people getting on boats to come over. It's like, they weren't allowed to do that anyway. Like, mm. it, that isn't, Brexit isn't ever going to stop illegal immigrants. Mm. Like, if, you're, if that's what you want to call it, it's not going to stop refugees. It's not going to, Brexit was never going to stop them. Mm. If they've been, if you're been prepared to put people on a boat mm. across the border to come in without going through customs, you're going to do it. Like Brexit isn't ever going to, it was never going to. Well, when it gets to the point of, you know, migrations are so mass that, you know, it's literally like a, a captured cruise liner coming to land <laughs> that could possibly at that point be armed to the teeth, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you've got like London underwater and 8 million people like moving up north. Like, yeah. When, when are they, when, when are you going to actually start dealing with the problem rather than just going, no, I don't like the result of the problem. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. deal with the problem. Just, yeah, deal with it. And, uh, I don't know. If, if anything, if Brexit's going to make crossings like that more frequent because if they had it's harder to get in so like in, you're so gonna be gonna do that. you know do it illegally you yeah. can't do it legally yeah and, it, and it's not just the the sort of border stuff it's the whole like defunding all of these departments like defunding all these government departments so that they can't function like nothing yeah. functions and then you've got covid on top of it all these people that are off sick, all the people that have dropped out of the workforce because of that, all of the people who are like, I'm not doing this anymore because this is a rubbish job and it yeah. pays rubbish. Like it's just all compounding on top of each other. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it needs to be addressed. <laughs> it does. It does. Right. We'll do social media. Do you have to dash off anywhere? Or anything? Uh, no, no. Like I said, I'm set, set aside for this. So well, well, yeah. 11 o'clock. It's marketing. It's marketing. It, well, it is. Like, like I said, this is part of my job is to, yeah. you know, is to get us out there. And I think I've only been on one podcast before, uh, yeah. the second one, and we've, we've kind of working on others. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not used to trying to be like a public figure or whatever. Like, I'm, not, I'm not used to speaking with people on stuff and being proper, mm. uh, but I'm trying to get a bit better at that. And, uh, you know, we've been on the radio a few times, so, mm. you know, it, it it's what I've got to do. I've got to try and get my name out there. So that is my question. So in terms of social media, like I made the point that it's becoming more and more work media. It's like stuff that we all have to do or more and more of us have to do with part of our work, whether you're appearing in it or having to produce it, how much time do you have to put into it yourself? How much time does it take up for you? And do you see the return on investment of that time? Like does the, does it, does it benefit you to a degree that you can see? definitely see a benefit of social media. If we, if I don't put the time in and I was, you know, if Emma, I was going to say, if Emma doesn't put the time in, but she does, but before Emma kind of joined. You, yeah. You've noticed when you couldn't do it. Yeah. The, yeah. So if I don't put the time in, I said, so we've got to, let's go back. We've got two social media accounts. We've got one for the brewery and one for the tap group. And that's something we kind of started last year. Cause I've realized that the brewery is always talking about what's going on in the tap room. I thought, well, actually the brewery should be shouting about the people that we're delivering to, mm -hmm. kind of giving them their air. Mm -hmm. And the tap room account was created to, to focus on the tap room. So obviously we're still building that presence. So it's, it's not fully divided and the brewery sometimes posts about the tap room. But yeah, if we don't do any social media business drops, mm. 
I, you see it straight away. And if you put a push out on social media, then we can, um, we can see the uptick on it. And a, a great example was Friday morning. We shot a Friday morning. Yeah, we shot mornings. Mm. But I was in and we released a beer last week called the Big Gay Beer. Um, cause we brewed it during Pride Month and released it in time for Leeds Pride. We've got someone who works in a tap room who, um, they work as a, so they're a student and it's all about graphic design, the student graphic design. And they came up with the concept of a strong lager, came up with the design for the can and came up with the name and we launched the beer. And someone came in Friday morning specifically for that beer. Because mm -hmm. they'd seen it on social media, and mm -hmm. he said, "Keep social on social media." Because I've I came in this morning on the back of seat up Facebook. I was like, "That's great." Like, no, not that you don't often get that actual. No, thing. you rarely get that like so direct link. Yeah. yeah, and I know there's one person who said that, but the feedback we got on social media about Big Gay Beer was actually incredibly positive, mm. and I was really impressed with that because. Mm -hmm. you know, Let's be honest, it was a little bit of a potentially controversial name. Mm. Thankfully it wasn't. Um, and I think the people that follow us on social media understand where the beer came from. And um, you know, we weren't just kind of pride washing it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've put effort in to make sure that we are mm. um, a safe space and everything. So that was good. And it, it, it was our biggest selling beer last week. We had excitement about a beer last week because of that. And I can't remember the last time we had excitement, genuine excitement about us releasing a new beer. Yeah. It's been hard trying to get that excitement. And we've launched, we've launched some amazing beers mm. last year or so. But there's the, it's that, it's that whole marketing thing, isn't it? It's the name recognition yeah. thing of like, if people can make that link of this thing to this thing, whereas if you just come up with a new beer and a name, unless you've hit the, the right yeah. factors of like, it's this and this and this, and you recognize it and you'll yeah. buy it. Yeah. There's no buy signal there, is there? You've got to develop it. Yeah, you have. And it, it's been soul destroying sometimes. When we release, it's like amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you're like, this is so good. This is our best ever beer. Yeah. And so you still wait one buy pants on the first week. <laughs> like, oh my God, come on, guys. <laughs> and then, like, you know, we've, the big beer is a strawberry lager. So, well, I'm not that excited about the beer. Is it, is it, well, yeah, it's a nice enough beer, but you know, I was here drinking on Friday and I think I had half of it and I moved on to, onto a ridiculously fruity sour that we've got that is like pushing the boundaries of beer. Mm. That's exciting. Mm. People don't care about that. They care about the strong level. Uh, well, they care but, about the, the, the beer that ties into the yeah. thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's where social media has paid off and you know, we are, we're donated some proceeds to charity, you know, like I said, we're not pride watching, but we are doing the proper effort behind it. Um, so you can see just a point in, not that you can see where point, but you can just see there we have got like some bunting over, what's bunting over there. We've, yeah, we've, and they've been up since the start of, uh, June, June's back, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, it just leads, does it weird? We do, we do the. Do I want right. to in August? Lose is lose. <laughs> yeah, so we do see uh, the impact from social media and we definitely see it when it goes well, which it does sometimes, and we see if we don't post. So I um, 
I make myself busy. I try and make sure that we are, I am busy mm. and I sometimes neglect social media, but then I do try and keep up with it. Mm. It does take up a little bit more time and annoyingly, it's probably going to have to take up a little bit more time. Mm. Now Instagram decided that they want to try and take on TikTok. Mm. Uh, and that has been the biggest impact on us recently mm. because it's quite easy to take a decent looking phone. Mm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a photographer where I can like Jay pops over a beer, splash some strawberries. Yeah. But and now yeah. with filters and stuff and the cameras were like a lot of cameras yeah. will give you the grid lines to sort yeah. of work things like, out. It works. Like you could do a decent photo mm. in seconds, mm. a decent enough photo in seconds. Mm. Uh, so much so that when I actually spent a little bit of time looking at it, I had a few people thinking that we actually employed a photographer for our social media on Instagram. Mm. I was like, no, I just kind of figured out how to use an iPhone properly. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and now you know, had some time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like two years locked up. Yeah. Well, I third on myself for a couple of days a week at start last year. And I think it was doing that actually. Yeah. Um, cause I take pictures of my dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but now Instagram, obviously, uh, it's selling to the, the original concept of Instagram photos, no one wants to do that anymore, despite hundreds of millions of people wanting to do that. They want to go against TikTok and Instagram. I think there'll be a pushback. I think and there has been. Yeah. There has been and they've changed it a little bit. But that being said, um they focus on reels. So we've got to do reels. We have to do reels. Mm. And I've read and I believe it that the reels that are created within Instagram get more traction. Yeah, yeah. Than if you just do a TikTok and yeah. upload that. Yeah, yeah. Which is really frustrating because TikTok's a much better video editing platform. That's it. They're all trying to compete against each other and we lose. Yeah. It's, it's more work for all of us because it like, to a certain degree, you kind of need to be on every platform because that's, you reach everyone in your area. Yeah. You've got to. And TikTok isn't as important. As, and we're trying to build a bit of TikTok, but it's not as important because it's not locally based. I, you know, Instagram. You can, you know, hashtag Horsworth and there's people in Horsworth are going to like spot it. Mm. But instead, uh, so TikTok, you know, when TikTok's definitely more global, you know, a lot of your videos you see and you, uh, more global. So we don't do TikTok as much. I try and do a little bit, mm. but in, our evolution of the brewery has gone through Twitter was where we first kind of were in mm. terms of social media presence. And that's where a lot of our sales first came from. We'll get 75% of our sales through Twitter. And then that kind of dropped off. Facebook replaced it. Mm. And then Instagram kind of elevated it. Mm. Facebook didn't really go down, but Instagram elevated it as I got a bit better at Instagram. Mm. At first I ignored it because I didn't like it. I still don't really like it, but I use it a lot. And finally, it's actually my, probably my favorite. Doesn't mean I like it, but it's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, a good example is last Friday, I painted a wall in the brewery. I said, right. Normally I would have done a before and after photo, go, hey, I painted a wall, job done. So, well, I've got to do a reel. It's a bit of an experiment. Did a reel of zooming in, zooming out and trying to get it to look brilliantly. I was like, I haven't got the time for this. I, mm. I've got to do this now. I've, mm. I've done the wall, I've got to move on. Mm. So I just knocked up a really rubbish. Mm. Video mm. and it got 
basically double the amount of impressions that a really good photo mm. the big gay beer got they both got we found the big gay beer got more likes mm. but the reel got more impressions it reached more accounts mm. it's a rubbish reel mm. yeah that's what frustrates me is that i've got to spend more time to create something that isn't as good mm. to get more people to see it mm. and that's annoying me at the moment because i don't really have time to kind of do a, do a video mm. or think of a video to do, do it, edit it, make sure it looks good and then post it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really have the time for that, but we noticed as soon as Instagram changed their algorithms, we noticed that our engagement dropped like significantly. Yeah. And Instagram was, a, and it still is a very good platform for us. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen the tap room and, and yeah. you know, I, I, I found both your accounts quite early on, I think. Yeah. And it's. That's what's frustrating for us is that, you know, you, you kind of learn how to do the social media and then they change the rules mm. and me say, well, we're now, but we learn it. I have got a business to run, you know, if I can't, God, I can't just make videos for people in California all day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's the time aspect of it, you know, especially because Instagram isn't great at video editing, you know, and TikTok is a much better platform. I, I could create a decent idiot for TikTok. In an instant, mm. reels. It's just like no, I just can't do it. Mm. Uh, so hopefully they improve that. But you know, we've just got to spend a bit more time on it. Mm. If there was a UBI universal basic income, would you still be doing what you do now? Uh, if you uh, well, would you still be working? And if you would, would you still be doing what you do now? Uh, or would you do something different? And if you would still be doing what you do now, when there was the UBI. Um, how do you think it would change your work? Okay. It's an interesting question. I, 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 I listened to and read a lot about UBI, but I've never actually had a conversation with anybody about it. Not really, I don't think. So it'd be interesting to know why like, it's a question, but because right, it's not like it's on the cards at the time. Steve. It's kind of, well, yeah, but it's not, not this, well, isn't it? I mean, like the, the way that crises are moving, I mean, like we're, we're all under this assumption that, you know, and that politics is always going to be like this, but at a point in time, if it does turn and we know these things can turn on down, we've seen it and like yeah. the, all the media turns, I mean, there'll be like backlashes and this, that, and the other, but most people just do as they're told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like we're going to do this thing. All right, fine. Let's do the thing. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can foresee a circumstance where they're just like, look, we've just got to put money in people's pockets and there's no other way of doing this. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be interesting. I think, you know, the, there's obviously a lot of talk about, I suppose it, it's not a massive leap mm. where Truss and Sunak are at, at the moment. Because um, on about seeing what they can do to basically to win votes, I guess. Mm. Um, they're not doing it to help people, they're doing it to win votes. But so, yeah, it to help some people. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, this whole thing, well, giving people money doesn't help bring down inflation. And in normal circumstance, that, that, yeah, that's true. But a lot of this inflation is brought around not because people are consuming too much, it's because there's a stupid wall going on that's driving energy prices up. It's killing everybody in supply chain, mm. is like, strangling uh, the supply. So, mm. you know, we're in a bit of an unusual situation. So it could be interesting. You know, UBI could be. An interesting way to do it. I think there's, um, I think it is California that 
they've just given anybody that earns less than 500 grand, I think, I think they just yeah, they were doing an experiment with it. Um, but that's where that is going to drive inflation because California, you know, energy prices are still relatively cheap and they don't have as much requirement. Obviously they've got this air con, I guess, but you know, it's a lot cheaper than what we've got. They haven't seen the increases that we've got. Um, so I think UBI here, yeah, I, I can actually see, even if it's temporary, I can see how it could benefit without really driving inflation. Um, that wasn't your question. So, no. uh, yeah, that's <laughs> good. Uh, that's to, I just wanted to kind of, you know, no, it's fine. It's, I, I know what UBI is. I is it, just... <laughs> this is the thing that gives us the space to sort of like work because we, we can always cut stuff out if we need to as well. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, you cut me. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, like I send it back to you anyway, so you can yeah. have a listen. Oh, like, oh, if you want that or whatever. I'm joking. Um, no, I think it's, um, the question was, would I still be doing what I'm doing? Yeah. Well, basically it's like, how would it affect your work? Yeah. I mean, would you just be like, oh, right, I'm not going to work now. I'll kick back and relax. And oh, no, no, that may, I, it's not diagnosed, but it's strong suspect I've got ADHD. I've got to be doing something. Uh, so I, I, I would, if they brought it in now, yeah, I'd be doing this. I'd still do this and what I'd do with that money. Um, it depends how much it is, but well, it, it's I, more I, like what you do with your other money then, because then that pressure's off your personal yeah, yeah. finance. Well, yeah. Right. So I said, what I'd probably do is just reinvest it in the brewery and get the brewery into a, a safer um, financial state. That I, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I've done now. That mm. UBI, you know, we've taken the pay cut. It, it just puts some more money back into the brewery and try and get this to where I'd like it to be mm. uh, a bit quicker. Well, you know, rather than investing a couple hundred quid a month in it, in itself, mm. if I could get that up to six, seven, eight hundred quid a month, mm. eventually, then that's what I'll do. Um, and that's what I would do with UBI. I, it, I think it'll just ease that personal pressure, reduce the stress a little bit there, and it'd drive the business forward a little bit more, because I wouldn't be as much <laughs> of a financial drain on it. Mm. Um, do you think it would improve your sales? as well i mean obviously taking that pressure off your your customers and potential customers yeah. they have more disposable income potentially yeah i i, I can't see how it, it wouldn't i think like it says we've seen them with the cost of living headlines mm. as soon as they come out we, we see a drop in, mm. in sales so you would imagine if that eases it people have got a bit more cash yeah you know i always say let's be honest we live in Halsford, which is is a relatively affluent area. It's not certainly not a, an area in distress, but people have, there's a lot of families here. So, mm. you know, there's a lot of expenditure in that. The, the house prices are incredibly high. So people mm. are, you know, assuming people have got relatively high mortgages. So mm. yeah, they might have stable jobs that are paying relatively well, mm. but you, you know what people are like, a lot of people live to the means and mm. so if there's a squeeze, then they, they're still going to be impacted. And I think that UBI would you know, definitely ease that squeeze for them. And it would just free up a little bit of capital to, to enjoy people, enjoy yourselves a little bit. Mm. Um, I think, you know, beer is such a weird product in, mm. in terms of people's perception of it. You know, some people, you expect it to be cheap because the supermarkets have mm. properly devalued beer. Uh, but then in a pub, people don't mind paying like five quid for a yeah. can of beer they can get for a quid in a supermarket. Oh, yeah. Mind. Yeah. Um, so they do. I do. I mind that. 
<laughs> yeah, still do it, but I don't like it. I'm like, you can buy five of these. Yeah. Um, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able uh, the thing is, you shouldn't be able to buy a can for a quid. Like, that's the thing that's too, there's mm. mm. in the in the whole equation. And I, I was listening to um, a beer writer called Pete Brown, and he, he made me wear this, which I thought was fascinating. It was all to do with when advertising for alcohol was, or for beer was kind of limited. Mm. That advertising budget got switched from actual advertising to supplementing the price in supermarkets. Mm. That's where that budget went. Mm. So that's what, that's how it happened. And that's led to the downfall of a lot of pubs and everything like that, because it's just so much cheaper to drink at home. Mm. And which I didn't appreciate. So yeah, that's, that's frustrating. So. I think there would be a little bit, yeah, I think it frees people up, but it is potentially over to new customers as well, that, you know, if they've got a little bit more cash, they'd be willing to maybe spend a bit more on a can. You know, our cheapest can is like 375 at the moment. That's because it costs us more than a quid to make it. Mm. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to make your profit on it. And, um, it would open people up to that, I think, because they go, yeah, do you know what? I'll give it a go. It's, it's not, it's not as cheap as your mass market lager. With the marks, I've just been given pounds and pounds this month. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, I, like you could just well, whilst COVID was happening, everyone's like, oh, you know, it could be the Roaring Twenties again, like the last century after the Spanish flu. I think UBI would give give you that. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, well, it's one of those things, isn't it? Of like, you'll never know. Like, if, if the war hadn't happened, and if, uh, yeah, the, if the interest rates hadn't been put up, then maybe. It could have been all, and the supply chain hadn't been ruined, but, yeah. which we, we, was always going to happen as soon as we shut down COVID because yeah, or the way it was set up. Um, well, it's it's a fantastic play by China as well. Uh, you know, they, they they hoarded all the steel containers, mm. so they they squeeze the supply chain. Mm. Um, and I think you know, whatever your opinion is of it, it's fantastic play for someone who's trying to. Realistically, they're trying to be the world's largest economy. So it's like, right, let's control the economy and let's squeeze people. Because they produce so much stuff, mm. you know, they don't have the reliance on on the shipping container. Well, that's the thing as well. Like, you know, it kind of made, it made everyone show their hand, didn't it? COVID? Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, what, you haven't got any masks? Oh, you haven't got any ventilators? Oh, you can't make any? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have to have factories that supply these. Yeah. That we make for you. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you want to buy it for someone else? Well, they don't have a shipping container. We have a shipping container. Oh, mm. uh, okay. Cool. Twice the price. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic play about it, which doesn't help us, but mm. uh, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a whirlwind at the moment of just negative pressures. Mm. Um, on the economy, which is going to be interesting. Like I say the interest rates going up and obviously the whole idea is interest rates go up, inflation comes down. Mm. Won't work. Inflation isn't driven by other consumption at the moment. Yeah. So like, it's not like people have got too much money. That's what inflation is. They're saying interest rates, they're trying to stifle as people spending too much money. It's like, it's gas electric, mate. Mm. And, and it's businesses then increasing the prices because they've got to cover their gas electric. And they've got to cover their increased costs from their suppliers and so on and so on and so on. I, I don't know what's going to happen. So my final question is, if you could change any three things about your work right now, so anything at all, you can go as crazy or as, you know, sensible as you want with this, 
any three things about your work right now, what would they be? I would have a bigger brewing premises and bigger brewing equipment. Mm-hmm. I'd probably have, I'd have a nicer taproom area, like floor. We have got plans to do that, but you need the time to actually do it where people are walking on it. Yeah. So we've got plans to redo the floor. So I want to do that. And there's just a couple of things like a back bar. I'd like to build that. Um, so yeah, generally improve the taproom side of stuff, which we're doing, you know, we are doing that, but if I'm honest, it's all about time and, and a bit of money. And, uh, you see, you can't, you can't just do it all in one go. It takes time. So we've got to find the time and they sell them on podcasts, which is ridiculous, isn't it? It should be just, it should be painted. Uh, <laughs> be real about it. What <laughs> should be doing? Um, no, so yeah, so I'd, I'd improve the tap room and I, I would have a bigger brewing kit. Mm. I mean, if, if I have to name three things, I mean, those two things would basically give us a bit more money and spare cash, mm. but money and spare cash, I, that, that would be the dream really, just because. Like I said, we get the cash flow squeezes all the time and that's the mm. biggest stress. And it, fighting to not have those mm. at the moment is my biggest stress in the whole business. Mm. You know, I've got a good solid team. I really enjoy working it, working, mm. really enjoy working with them. We just need a bit of cash. Mm. And if we had a bit more cash, it'd be like, yeah, it's, I, it's all right. Taking like, the pressure off, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it just takes that pressure off, you know. I always say, but you need some level of pressure as well. Like, cause otherwise if it's too easy, what's the point, you know? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, but I think I, I would always, I'm always in competition with myself. I've always pushed myself to do better. It's just kind of, you know, we're not dealing with big numbers. It, mm. it just feels like we're just at this, this level and at the bottom there and you're like just skirting on it. Mm. Like, you know, if we were just there and it was dipping, mm. it'd be all right. Um, <laughs> but then we, if we were doing that, yeah, like, yeah. you know, just up there, <laughs> it'd be all right. And it's just, like, you'd always do that. But yeah, it, but then skirting too close to the bottom, I, I wish we'd just stop doing that. And, yeah. I, you know, we are really trying. We, I've cut costs where I can. And um, like I said, we, we're driving sales as, as well as we can do at the moment. And, um, you just hope that that, that, that resolves it. Try it. But then the, the bigger brew kit, that's going to take a long time. I want to bring it back around because you know, like what you've mentioned there. I, so thinking back to health, well-being, when you sort of like, are you quite good at separating your work and your life and like, or is it just too hard still? Cause it's just like, this is, this thing's kind of taken over your life, but it, at the same time, does that. Obviously it's giving you stress, stress is detrimental, but some stress can be good. Yeah. So is it, do you think it's overall good for your health or better for your health? Or like, do do you think it's healthy? Like where you are work-wise, do you think it's doing you good? And like you wanting to work, is that doing you good? Yeah. I think we are in a relatively health, like I am in a relatively healthy place with it at the moment. Mm. Um, And on the stresses, some stress can be good. I definitely thrive off. A, a level of stress mm. like that's where I w- work best mm. Mm. and then where I work really good when I get really good ideas is when I've been really stressed and I take a bit of time off mm. and it's in that time off is where the best ideas come and that's when I do my best work is post stress mm. um, I, I do my best doing mm. when stressed so yeah I, I do in, enjoy a little bit of stress mm. um, I've got one blooming question was now. I mean, it's generally that it's like, it's like yeah. how do you think it's sort of, you know, yeah, how we get improving your health. Yeah. Like, because obviously that with furlough and with, or with 
you know, COVID, you've got that downtime and it is nice to have the downtime, but also it's like, it's a nightmare as well. Yeah, it's like, it what is. the hell do I do with all of this time? Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I like pushing myself and this does give me that opportunity. And I'd say that December last year, it did get too much mm. and I was damaged from that. And I kept feeling like I've been scarred from it and mm. I probably have to some extent still. And you know, you get, you learn lessons from scars. So, mm. and it has done that for me. So, you know, this year has been less stressful. Still with elements of stress. And I think we're, we're not out of it yet. So it's no, we're not. And it is in the moment, I've probably got quite a little worry about yeah. what's coming, mm. but in the present the moment, yeah, uh, yeah, it feels all right. Um, it yeah. feels all right. And I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Mm. And like I said, when I, we had a child, a baby boy last year. Congratulations. You. And, uh, I'd often have Mondays off. Where I'd do the minimal amount of work of you know sending some sales emails out, and then I'd take him swimming mm. on an afternoon, and the day was basically spent with him and my partner because she was on maternity leave. And this job allowed me that opportunity to take that amount of time off. You know, I mm. barely worked on Monday for nine months. Yeah, yeah. Well, last Monday was maybe the first Monday working, and it wasn't because he was sick, so I didn't get to go to nursery. Mm. So today's my first working Monday for over nine months. And I don't think if I had an employed job, I'd been able to do that. No. I yeah. made the decision to do it and it's cost me probably a lot of money and lost sales, mm. lost productivity, but I'm happy with that choice because mm. it meant I get to spend it with my boy and mm. that's great. You know, that, I think it's really important to spend that time with them as they're growing up mm. and be there. And as a result, we've got a really good relationship. Mm. And for me, that's far more important than working and earning loads of money. Yeah. Not being there for him. Yeah. I think you've got to be there for you, for your kids. Mm -hmm. As long as we're in a relatively financially secure situation, which we are, thankfully, we're quite lucky with that. So yeah, uh, I'm quite happy with where this is on a personal side. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Just won't mind that a little bit more catch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's the one we that, Take that out and I'm all right. Mm -hmm. um, Realistically, you're looking at two to three plans of sales a month more, which isn't that unattainable. Mm. I mean, be, once you get to that break even point, like, yeah, yeah, it'll feel, it'll start to feel even better. Like once you, once you pass that and yeah. then it's like, Absolutely. oh, we're actually making profit now. That's going to, yeah. Cause I like uh, people that I've talked to when they got to that point, it's like, oh God, yeah, such, such a relief because yeah. it's like, you know, finally finally it's paying like yeah and you know there's no external investor here mm. so i don't have you know i'm the sole you, yeah to me so i don't have anyone who's like why we need to make x amount of profit mm. you know as long as i've got a, a relatively nice outside life mm. i don't care how much profit this place makes mm. realistically because i don't really have an ambition to sell it you know someone asks you know, someone to give me. Love. Yeah, you don't want to take over the world. You just want to make some beer and make some money. Yeah, I just want to have a nice life. Uh, <laughs> and once I get to that point, then I might want to make more money and I might want to make more money and I might carry on. I don't know. But the initial goal is just to, like I said, it's just to make a little bit of profit. If we can do that, 
then the stress goes and I don't have, I won't have someone chasing me down to make more profit. Mm. It's all us, it's on me mm. and how much profit I want to make. Mm. And I like, that's what I like about this. I, I don't have that overarching kind of pressure from somebody else telling me I've got to do X, Y, Z and make sure. Yeah. And there's something really liberating about that, that I appreciate. And that's where I get a lot of, a lot of happiness from this place is that I make those calls and sometimes the calls don't work. Sometimes they do. When they do, it's a really good sense of achievement. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that's ownership of your work. I think yeah, right? it's that sense of like I I own this work. This is this yeah. is mine. I did it, uh, you know, and I did it for me. If it's if that work is doing something for somebody else, but I did that thing of doing that for somebody else for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on that. Mm. Yeah, and I, I try and encourage that kind of mentality with the team as well. Um, and when things go wrong, because things always go wrong, uh, and they, they get a bit annoyed by it. I'm like, I want you to be annoyed about it. I mm. want you to be annoyed that you've messed up. Like mm. that, that's the, that's the emotion I want to see from you, mm. that you're really upset about it. Mm. You should be upset about it because it's not good enough, mm. but then I want you to learn from it. So you mm. don't make that mistake again. Mm. And then you, and then you're happy. Yeah. And I, I, I encourage people to own the mistakes. Mm. Um, and encourage them to have the down, you know, the down points. I, I, I don't just push it off. Oh, don't worry about it. I, I want them to feel upset that they've done something that's cost thousands of pounds. Because mm. because ultimately, I don't have a huge amount of money, so mm. it's costing us a lot of money. I want them to be upset about it, and I think it's important to have that buy-in mm. on your job because all, otherwise, you just I don't see how you could do a good enough job if you don't care about it. Uh, and then you got to celebrate the good times as well. You know, when they've done well, I'd like to think that we do celebrate when they've done really well. When you know, when you're in a good workplace, when they appreciate the work yeah. you're doing, not just like that they have to say thank you every day, but it, it's known, you know, you feel it. Hopefully my team do, do see that. That's what, well, you know, that's what you're aiming for. <laughs> yeah, <it is>. yeah. <laughs> just one quick question before I throw it over to you. So would it have been easier to do it with someone else? Would it have been easier to have a business partner? Like, or... Yeah, this is something I kind of flirted with a number of times over the years. And I'd say well, the original concept came around when I was chatting with a mate, mm. it's a brain also and he just wasn't really interested in doing it, which is fully understandable. And I got offered some investment opportunities when we first started and I didn't want to do it then because it's too cheap. Mm. You know, someone could have given me. 10 grand and bought the whole bloody brewery. You know, what are you going to do with 10 grand? You need some serious cash. Mm. So yeah, at the start, it was really easy to say no, because it was such a small scale. And with, I think we're still going through it. I go through kind of circles or whatever, cycles of, I really could do with a bit of help, whether that be someone physically doing more work than you would expect to get from an employee. Mm-hmm. Cause Ultimately, that's what you need. You need somebody who's going to do, like if you have another me, yeah. I regularly do 70 hour weeks, even if I'm not in the building, I'm doing stuff out. Someone's got to get exploited here in like an yeah, it's going to be, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like every business that does well exploits someone. So yeah. like you just do, you've got to. Um, and even on our side, our, our kind of scale, I'm exploited. Mm. You know, I'm on the end of the phone most days and mm. I work and work. In weekends, doing too many hours. Yeah. Right. So the perfect example, hottest day of the world ever 
that Tuesday the other week. Mm. I did 15 and a half hours that day. Mm. I didn't mean to do 15 and a half hours that day. Mm. I hit the W15. I'm like, why have I worked 15 and a half hours on the hottest day ever? <laughs> well, I had to do it. It was worth it. I had to do it. I have to get this done now. It's been on my mind for ages. Yeah. Like, well, I had to, yeah, I had to go do some stuff and I had to do it. And to have someone else like that is incredibly valuable. I, I can see the value in that massively because the amount of damage you could do with two people that are just like mm. laser focused on it would be immense. Mm. Um, the issue I've got is that most people that would be interested in investing in a business like this, it's caring. It's like, who's going to care about this as well? Yeah. Like, and at, like actually care about the business, not just yeah. care about the money coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Care about the business. And I think that's the thing that I've never really come across anyone who will have the passion for this place that I've got. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's probably a very high bar because I've been yeah, doing yeah. five years. It's been on my mind for like seven, eight years. Mm. So no one's really going to care about it as much as I do, but that's what you need. Mm. Um, the only people that really shown any semi-concrete level of interest in it are purely people that have got money. Mm. They haven't got the love for the beer industry. They haven't got love for doing it, all of this. They've got love for money. Mm. Which, do you know what? Could be realistically what the brewery needs more than anybody. Mm. But it's not what I need. I need somebody who's got love for the industry. Yeah, that, that changes your work significantly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like I say, I don't want someone who's going to come in and chuck a load of money at us and go, right, I want, I want my return. Mm. I want someone who's going to come in, chuck a load of money at it and get that return themselves. Mm. I earn it. And, you know, there's a, yeah, it doesn't really happen that much in, in the brewery world, I don't think. But if another brewery said, you know, they'd come and buy a chunk of us, I'd, I'd be more interested in that. If, you know, there's a mm. regional brewery that was interested in it, I'd be more interested in selling a chunk to them. Mm. to try and get their help mm. on a much smaller scale than what Beavertown is. You know, they sold 49% to Heineken and just look at what Beavertown have done since. I mean, absolutely exploded everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I, I would follow a similar model. I'd be more willing to follow a similar model with a regional sized brewery that would help, that would help us. But I'm not actively looking at it. Uh, I kind of, I like the independence, mm. but sometimes the pressure is a bit more. You know, yeah. even if it's a salesperson, it's, you know, a salesperson would be useful. If a brewery came in and provided the sales team behind it, that solves a lot of problems. Mm. So yeah, there's, it's always in the background mm. and it's, especially at the background when it comes to the quarter end, when I've got to pay VAT and rent at the same time. Is anyone knocking on the door though? Is that, that's the other thing of like, you know, are you, are you getting these offers or are these like. If that was to happen, it'd be something that you'd have to actively pursue. Yeah. So at the moment, it's uh, time again, you know, yeah, it's time you, yeah. and it's something I do flirt with and it, we're not getting offers at the moment. We, we get offers every now and again, and we seem to go through phases. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we'll I'll hear anything for quite a few months and then in a three month period, we'll have 10 people wanting to invest. Mm. And I just, I normally just back them away because I don't know if Adam, you know, he mm. could be anybody. Mm. Uh, and then every now and again, is the semi-interesting person, mm. nothing's ever come of it. Uh, and I always kind of think surely the worst time to like, sell a chunk of your business to get an investor is when you need them. Yeah. Like that's when, you know, you're not a false seller as such, but you kind of a false seller. Yeah. That's when your price is going to be lower. So 
when I don't need them, I'm more focused on something else. And when I do need a bit of cash, I that's when I'm like, oh, this is the place to buy. <laughs> uh, I, I might do, I'm, you know, once things, it, once things get a bit settled, which surely they will do one day, that's probably when I start doing a bit of groundwork, you know, just kind of seeing what I need to get ready and see, because I think ultimately it would be pretty useful, whether it be a full injection of cash or just another person that is prepared to do stupid hours. Oh, both. I'm going to throw it over to you. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about? Anything that you want to cover or promote or uh, anything that you want to say at this point? Uh, so basically over to you. Uh, this is normally where I go, no, 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 but I'm actually going to try and be good and uh, try and promote our beer festival, which is at the end of this month. Oh, well, you know, this month, the weekend. We, which I don't know when this episode's going out, hopefully before then. We did one in over Easter that was really successful and we did one in August bank holiday weekend because everyone was like, yeah, we'll come. So we haven't sold as many tickets as I'd like, but we sold a decent amount, but we want it to be better. So I'm going to plug that. Um, and just generally our beer, you know, in small independent breweries, I think Leeds is a very good city for independent breweries and, and great beer. But, you know, if we, if we don't support them, then they won't exist and it's hard. <laughs> At the moment, we're doing all right. We're surviving. We are going to survive for a good while longer, but I'm aware of some breweries that probably won't. And some people, some breweries have already gone. Mm. So if, if we lose too many, that will stop Leeds being such a great seat for it. And it's happening all over the country. You know, it's it, a struggle at the moment. So if people could do that, that'd be ace because mm. it's better for the big boys. And do you want to give us your socials? Where can people find you? Yeah, so people can easily find us if you just search on any of the socials for Horse of Brewery or Horse of Brewery Taproom. You'll see us there. They're quite intertwined uh, with the links on both. With the, the Twitter's a bit more kind of me mm. on an unprofessional side, doing my own personal Instagrams. That's what Twitter's for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it works. Um, I think uh, Someone kind of got warned off by me because I'm quite outspoken, apparently, which I think is interesting. <laughs> um, never been called that before. I got called a communist on Twitter the other week as well, which is, I hit, if people know me, I'm, I'm not a communist. But <laughs> You've worked in finance for years. Yeah, I felt quite proud of being called a communist, but <laughs> I, not because I am one. I, don't know. Uh, I literally own my own business. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite a capitalist, <laughs> really. Um, just a le relatively left-wing one, but... Uh, yeah, so, you know, there and there, all the events on Facebook, like as much as I hate Facebook, it does actually mm. serve as well as a social media platform. So we're quite active on, on Facebook for, especially for the events. That's where a lot of people find us mm. and Instagram web. We'll just be doing more reels. Mm. See us dancing in no time. <laughs> <laughs> Is this really what my life has come to? Yeah. Dancing, dancing for money. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could do an interesting dance or something in the brewery, but I just, I just don't want to. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I went into business. If I wanted to do, you know, perform, yes. then I got into TV. Yeah, exactly. I just want, I just want to brew and sell beer. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Thank you again to Mark for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests. And thanks to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And of course, most of all, thank you to you, my dear listener. Hope you liked that, and I hope you like the next one. Haven't decided what and when, but there's plenty coming. I have a good one for before Christmas. 
Keep your eyeballs peeled and your earballs open for the next episode. And remember, Leeds, whatever you do, I'd love to hear about it from you. You can follow this show on Twitter at Working Hours 3 and on Instagram at Working Hours Pod Leads. Use the hashtag Working Hours Pod Leads to stay up to date on when new episodes are being released, to DM me with your questions, or most importantly, to get in touch if you'd like to be my guest on this show. Please do chuck in anything you can to help the show grow. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month or you can make a one-off donation of whatever amount. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to support working hours, again, from as little as a pound a month. Why not be super awesome and join both? Do something new and something different. Remember to like, share, follow, and subscribe to Working Hours. That's me. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other, leads. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Please like Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore Leeds and on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Leads, are you considering taking the plunge into podcasts or audio content? Then think Western Studios for support, advice and guidance on getting it made. At Western Studios, you work with a real-life lawyer who is actually in Leeds. Not a piece of software, not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses, but me, a person in physical place-based reality. If you want to work with me to make your podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, whether it's for your own cause, your publicity campaigns, to promote your products, increase your sales, or just to create your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. Don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by disembodied virtual people on the web. Get on with making your podcast now, and then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong, which it will, then call Western Studios to make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios will take on your podcast boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I will share it. Remember, podcast work is work. Leeds businesses, Leeds campaigns, Leeds brands. Got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but don't know where to start? Contact Western Studios at makemypodcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast straight away. The first hour of arranged consultation and pre-production time is free. £25 an hour after that for editing, recording, production. I can also arrange hefty discounts for the right projects. So tell me your idea and your budget and I'll tell you what I can do for you. What do you have to lose? Time, that's what. Time is running out. The best time to make a podcast was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Writers in Yorkshire, what are you doing with your lives? Hopefully you're writing. Well, I know there are listeners out there who want to hear great original writing performed as audio content that is about and for and has been made in Leeds. How do I know this? 
because I'm one of them loiners what wants it. Help me make your old screenplays, unpublished novels, unperformed plays, stories, poems, and performances, whatever you got, baby, and make it as podcast content. Is your work arty, salacious, pulpy, strange? Good. Is it unfinished? Good. I can help you with that too. I can work with you to find actors, musicians, and voiceover artists and quickly realise your projects. I get practice making the shows and you get a finished, performed and published version of your writing. Save yourself the hassle and the headache of making your podcasts on your own by working with me instead.